What's up with it, man? It's Mac Maul, and you're tuned in to the Tap In with Ali podcast, where we all about that real talk, and we let that bullshit walk. Yo, check it out, man. It's the podcast, Tap In with Ali. We got a special guest, my, my guy Ryan out there. We uh, He was out there on the front lines yesterday at the rally over there by the Grove in L.A. that got way out of hand, but uh, there's a lot of misconceptions going on out there, man. They're not telling a real story, so I'm... We want somebody on the front lines to tell their own story, man. What's up, Ryan? What's up? How you been? Man, we good. We good, bro, bro. So from from on TV, man, it looked like it was, uh, you know, the BLM did they protest and, uh, and, and the rally. It looked like it went off pretty good. And then this shit got crazy. They making it look like uh, the, the crowd started looting and whatnot. And I know it was more to it than that. So can you kind of let us know how it went down? Yeah, of course. So... When we got there, the protest started about 12 o'clock. That's what the flyer said. So we got there. We met in the park, all congregated, and then we marched. The first group went down to the Beverly Center, and the second group stayed right there on um, Fairfax and 3rd. And so we were all good until the police cornered the block behind us at about, like, 2.30, 3 o'clock. They all started pulling up, and then they tried to break the protest groups up. And when they started pushing up on us, everyone still remained peaceful. They were saying um, the organizers and people out there were saying white allies get to the front because you got to use your privilege. This is the time to do it. So the white people that was out there that was actually there for it and helping went right to the front. They blocked the little line. Of course, no one was pushing on the police, but then they got agitated. They started taking out the clubs, started hitting people, started pushing on us. And then they shooting the tear gas and the rubber bullets right at people in the face, shooting it into the crowd all unprovoked so it was really we were really fine until the police got there and they started agitating them more because to think like we was out there peacefully protesting disrupting but peaceful that's what it's all about nothing popped off until the police got there and started trying to corner people started trying to block off routes and started pushing on us trying to cause trouble so basically everything was cool until the police decided that they wanted to be aggressive with you guys absolutely Okay, that's pretty crazy. It's it's such a stark contrast from the riots in 92 because uh, in, in 92, when it all popped off, I don't know if they got a call. You know, later through documentaries and things, we see that the police department called all the cops in and told them, you know, retreat, get out of there. You're, you're outnumbered, you're outgunned, get out of there. And they disappeared. And they disappeared for the whole, you know, three days of the, of the rioting and looting and all that. And and basically, I feel like that diffused a lot because there wasn't as angry as people were and they were ready to fight. As long as the LAPD stayed out there, the energy to fight would have stayed. You know, it's almost like a pit bull. Like a pit bull wants to fight another dog. They only want to fight another dog as long as there's another dog there. And exactly. When, and then when the dog's gone, it, it chills out. You know, eventually it calms down and just, you know, kind of just goes on about doing its thing. And, you know, it's the same thing with that riot. Like everybody, you know, it kind of just turned into something else. It became more rallying cry. You had leaders who came out and, you know, especially the guys yeah. who were leading the gang truce and Watts, you know, because Watts was actually gang trucing before the riots. And they brought their leadership over into L.A. And that's how that gang truce kicked in because they were like, you know, listen, that's the new enemy. LAPD, the focus is on them. We brothers. We're not fighting each other no more. And I think that became the focus and that scared LAPD. So they didn't really want to engage. Well, yeah. right now it seems like they're not scared. They're seeing this group. It looks like they seem 
they're looking at you guys as, as organized, but not organized like that, where they fear for their lives. They don't they don't fear you guys like that. And I feel like that's why they're agitating. And I'm and, and I'm not saying that for you guys to create fear in them. I just see a difference in their attitude. And it's not cool, you know, because yeah. you would think you that they be. would show you guys that respect because you're not coming at them like that. Where back in 92, exactly. you know, 92, it was basically like, y'all come out here, you're going to get shot, you know, and saying that's how the streets felt toward the police. Like, we'll shoot back at you. We will do what you guys did to that man when you exactly. beat him up and got away with it. That was the energy on the street. Like, we were there, you know, much like how you're there now. We, we were there. And that was the energy, and they weren't with it. I remember being at Fedco, which no longer exists. The, there was a cop there, and as people were going across the street, he all he kept saying was, just don't burn it. Just don't burn it. Like he, they had already given up on the fact that things were going to get looted. They were like, just don't burn it. That's all they wanted. You know, where it yeah. seems like these cops are coming out there, from what I saw last night, and in every state. It's not like, okay, it's just here in L.A. It, it was in Minnesota. It's in New York. It's, you know, it everywhere, everywhere, Miami, it was all over the country, Chicago, Atlanta, ev everywhere, because at some point enough is enough. And even how you say with the pit bull, the pit bull won't attack unless it's trained to, unless you beat it and coach it to do something like that. How long have they beaten us, kill us in the streets? And it's ridiculous. How long is long enough to wait to just sit there and take it at some point? The waiting is enough. You can't wait forever for your entire life. And that's what's been happening. Tatiana Jefferson, this we no one went up like this. She was killed in her home with the police unannounced. They shot into her window, soaking in the backyard. What what was supposed to happen there? Breonna Taylor in her home, unannounced. They they fire into the house. Unbelievable. How long are we supposed to just sit here and take it? So I, I don't understand why they would even be trying to educate it because to be quite honest, it's always been their fault and they're always pushing it. So at this point now, everyone has risen up, which I think is great. And it's not even right. And it's, at this point, it's a rebellion because a rebellion is a response to in, inaction, to violence put upon us. Boston Tea Party, a rebellion, right? Exactly. What are we doing here now? You keep killing us in the street literal knees on our neck it's not a riot it's a rebellion did you happen to see that footage it's, i think it's on tmz right now there's footage of uh, i'm not sure what city it may have been la where they actually it was a cop who had his knee on a guy's neck it was a white guy and you hear the crowd saying, get your knee off his neck get your knee off his neck and his partner the dude doesn't he's not responding the cop isn't responding he's not taking his knee off this man's neck and his partner actually grabs his knee and moves it to his back. Didn't like, even see that. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, okay, I'll send it to you. It. I just saw that like right before I called you, and I was like, he still didn't respond. Like, are you like how dumb in in a bubble can you be to turn around and do that after everything that's just happened? Exactly, and that's the thing. They've been so insulated and protected from all their wrongdoing. Like any other profession, a, a teacher is doing something that's not supposed to happen. All the other teachers blow the whistle. They say, this is this is wrong. It pulls down the whole profession and they get their gotten out of there. Police, this is the only profession I know where bad things are allowed to happen and everyone closes in on the bad and protects it and punishes those that try to speak out. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of why police reform is such a big thing because there's a culture there. It's gonna take a lot to eliminate that culture. That's so embedded. Like, part of me that's mad at the cops who don't say anything, but there's a part of me that gets it, too, because they they become the enemy. They get 
everything that should happen to the cop who did the infraction will happen, happen to them. To the good. You know yeah. what I mean? And they fear that. They still got to feed their kids. They got to put, you know what I mean? They have responsibility. So it's yeah. such a, and this thing is what triggered Christopher Dorner. I don't know if you remember that thing. I do. I absolutely do. That's what he was talking about. I mean, he did go off on the deep end. I don't condone kind of what he did, but they pushed him. This was a cop that couldn't take keeping his mouth shut. That's you know that's a bad situation because now it's like you can't trust the police. But we've never been able to. Now you got a, you know a bunch of people from these other cultures. I think black and brown is kind of similar in, in, in that they deal with some of the same BS. We yeah. we deal with it on a whole nother level and historically, but the, you're starting to see some of the whites that who weren't really like they kind of like nah the cops don't act like that because their neighbors are cop, you know yeah. their friends are cop and the cops don't treat them anywhere close to that so they didn't believe it, and it seems like this last one watching that man breathe out calling for his mom, you know watching this man have his hands in his pockets while he's just sitting there like it's nothing. Watching, you know, this guy agitate the crowd and saying things, you know, the other cop, the little, uh, I think he was an Asian cop, little, little chubby one, sitting there saying people will stay off drugs and things exactly. like that. You know, the new video coming out where they actually look like they're beating him in the car before they pull him out of the other side and have him on the ground before they kill him. All the things that are coming out, it seems to, for whatever reason, finally click that light yeah, in some finally. people's head. You know, and the unfortunate part of that is now, see, back in the days in the Panther era, they had to find a black guy or girl in the organization who has some type of compromise. They were on probation. A family member was on probation and they would threaten them that I'm going to put your mom in jail. She did this or I'm going to make sure your case goes to court quick. You're going to go to get them to infiltrate that organization and, and, and try to break it up. Yeah. Now with these emerging other cultures coming on the team, the good which is great, and we need that, it also opens up the door for them not to have to go to that length to get someone to infiltrate. Now racist organizations could just change how they're dressed, hide yeah. their tattoos, you know, put Absolutely. on this little face and be amongst the people who are there for the right reasons and yeah. cause trouble. And you know, did you, like you did you see any of that? Yeah, yesterday it was like a lot of people out. Not a lot, but it was the the few that you saw in full combat gear. They had on the ski masks. They had on the all black combat boots, all black attire out there in the middle of the day. So it's like maybe they're out here to protest, but they're out here in full ski masks. They're out here huge backpacks all in combat gear. So it's like how can that motive really be trusted? And then it vilifies the whole thing because you see they're on the news breaking windows and it's charged to the whole movement when it's like that's not really us and then you have the undercover cops that are out there with the the color-coded wristbands or towels or whatever to identify themselves and the bulletproof vests under their clothes that are agitating too you saw the video of missouri the, the officer with the umbrella who was breaking the windows of the auto zone and the umbrella was a tactic for the police to identify that that's one of their own so you see that them infiltrating the protest and causing trouble and then some of the news media trying to put it back on the protesters as a whole when it's not as target is calculated and there are people that come out there to do this because this is what they do and they're the rest of us that are out there fighting for change and justice now from when you being out there and you seeing this and you've gathered all this information this is all like great intel for the movement for you you're educating me you know what i'm saying i'm an older guy i'm watching i'm concerned i'm trying to figure out a way to help without i don't want to hijack the movement as an older guy who who does have some knowledge 
I see the energy. I love the energy you guys have. I see the passion. I see the intention. I see the education. I see the youth is on top of their game. You guys are way further along than we were in 92. We were real reactionary. And that was counterproductive to a revolution. You know what I'm saying? If you study the Panthers, they did not like reactionary. That's why there was never any of this type of stuff at a Panther rally, ever. They, it never happened. They controlled it so heavy. Different times, right? Not to yeah. not to say they did it better than we did it or better than y'all doing it. But it was a different agenda. But they also were older. They had a plan. Bobby Seale and, and Huey Newton had a 10-point platform before they had an organization. You know what I mean? Right now, we need to steer from just this, you know, chanting and yelling and, and pro like that's to get the attention. You, you guys got it now. Yeah, now, definitely. Now, what's the next move? I know what I think the next move, but I want to hear what you think the next move is. Me personally, I think the next move should be to organize and actually get the police reform because there has to be something. And I don't just mean police reform in the broad sense. Like, there has to be particular ways. For us, they put three strikes and you're out. Bunch of nonviolent offenders in jail for small drug offenses, things like that. This officer, I forget his name because it's not the name we should remember. George Floyd is who we should remember. The officer had 12 complaints of excessive force. He had other previous officer-involved shootings. How is it that he can have 12 complaints of excessive force and still be working for the force? There needs to be some, some sort of strikes for that because how is that possible? There needs to be more oversight. Everyone is always talking about civilian oversight over the police departments or things like that is a slippery slope and da-da-da. But there needs to be some accountability in regards to their unchecked power because we see what happens. They get out there and because they are, quote-unquote, the law, you're just supposed to sit there and take it and fight the battle out later. That's what we're always told as black men, black women. In the street, you take it because you want to live to fight in court. That's what you're taught. But we see now that you don't even have the chance to live if you're out there. So I think there needs to be civilian oversight. There needs to be reform in how the complaints are processed and what happens, what actual action has happened. And there needs to be complete internal reviews of the policing itself, like the cases, the amount of stops that are happening disproportionate to communities, because we all know black and brown people are stopped on a disproportionate level to white people, but then they also put more cops in black neighborhoods. If you put more cops, you're bound to find more things. So that's the over-policing argument. So it's it's a whole bunch of things that can happen. But me personally, I think there needs to be strikes for the excessive force and the violence because they've used it before on regular civilians instead of helping. It was three strikes and you're out. So let's do something like that with police. There needs to be civilian oversight and there needs to be complete internal overhauls and reviews of everything that goes on in there. So like their, their own form of mandatory minimums. I'm not saying that everyone has to lose their job, but there needs to be accountability. Five complaints of excessive force, they need to be getting moved. They're on death duty for a few years because it's obvious they don't know how to handle themselves in the field. At some point, there needs to be accountability and a reckoning for that. They can't just be allowed to wreak havoc on the streets and continue to have that power. Because they vilify the good ones as well, right? We always hear that they're good cops, but where are the good cops? They're punished for speaking out. They're punished for being vocal. And so make it easier for them to do that and punish the ones that are actually doing bad instead of letting the system punish those that are doing good and speaking out against those that are doing bad. It's crazy because it seems like such a basic thing to do, but it's so much resistance to it. Like, 
I don't know if you uh, know AOC, the the congresswoman. She she flat out said she's like most of these lawmakers are afraid of the power of the police union. Absolutely, police unions are very strong. They contribute. They throw their weight around. So they're definitely political leaders are definitely afraid of the influence that they wield. You really need people who are willing to just be like, you know, enough is enough. And exactly, it, it seems like it's getting there, but. All this action that we got going on now has to turn into something that's tangible. Something, like to me, I feel like we need to focus on voter registration, people actually going to the polls, and not just voting during the presidential election, but more so during the local elections, because that's where you get your voice heard up the ladder. You get your local officials that go Absolutely. to the state level. The state officials go to the national level. That, and, and you make them all accountable, you know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. It, like, push for district, local district attorneys, local county supervisors, things like that where it's actually in your community. Because, yes, it, the federal and the overarching is very important because they dictate policies on down. But local officials are really how policies get implemented and put into place. So it's definitely important because you elect your GAs, chiefs of police, mayors, all these people have greater effect on local distribution of budgets and things like that. We see that in L.A. And Mayor Garcetti is trying to allocate 54 percent of the budget to police. We saw yesterday they honestly don't need any more money. How many helicopters did they have circling everyone? The armored vehicles, the practically tank looking vehicles, all the officers, all the equipment that they had. It's obvious that they don't need more money. And so this is where local politics come into play when you're voting for your mayors your district attorneys, Jackie Lacey. How many prosecutions has she led against cops who have killed folks in our community? She hasn't. So it's like these are important local races all throughout the country that you have to pay attention to. You need to make sure that you get involved in your local community because these are the, the decisions that actually will affect you more so day to day. And so that's why I've, I get involved and that's why I think they're all important, but very much so at the local level because that's more what's going to get you day in and day out. The reason why I point out the difference between the, the, the presidential elections and the, the local ones is the presidential elections, it's almost become uh, the thing to do, the thing to be a part of so you can say you were there. You know, I remember Malcolm X once talked about the March on Washington and how many people there were just to say they were there. He compared it to going to the Kentucky Derby. Like, you know, there's people that don't know anything about a horse, but they're at the Kentucky Derby to say that they went there. You know, exactly. And you have people... Who, who go to these elections and say, I voted. But there, it's, it's like, that's fancy. But the local election, which really has a bigger effect on your day-to-day -day life, isn't fancy. You got a group of people who only want to go to the fluffy election like this year. Oh, we're going to vote for Biden. They're not even voting for Biden. Now it's like, we're going to vote Trump out, you know, which is great. I want to get him out as well. But after that, now we got to be on Biden's back from day one to Absolutely. whatever his last day is to be, bruh, you owe us. Your party has owed us for decades because they've only won because of our vote, you know, because the whites are split down the middle a lot of times. Exactly. The minority group that comes together is going to pick who it is, you know, mm -hmm. and that's basically what you've seen. A lot of people bought into the Hillary's going to win easily. Exactly, uh, or the lesser of two evil arguments. And so they try to say that, oh, they're both bad, but it's you see now that where we've ended up. Then you also had the Bernie people who were mad. And the they, Bernie or bust, exactly. And yeah. because Bernie wasn't there, right. they voted for no one. And so who did that benefit? 
Trump again. Exactly. And what we got to be careful of is people who are overly emotional about what Biden said. Biden said something stupid. What he said was stupid, and I don't like it. Absolutely. But compare that to what the other one is saying. Because basically, that's your choice. So you got one saying something stupid, one doing a lot of evil. So we got exactly. Get, so get him in there, and then you check him. Because I, I also look at Biden's comment as a byproduct of being too comfortable. You know, uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you have your white friend who, you know, some of us tend to be like, oh, go ahead. You can say the N word, man. You my man. You my man. Okay. But now when he does that outside of your little group, you just put your friend in danger. Because exactly. he thinks he can do that everywhere. Why he has a desire to say the word, beyond me. But you let him say it. And now he about to get beat down by this other group of black people because they don't know him like you do. And exactly. why is he saying that? And that's, I feel like, you know, Biden was in a comfort level of being able to make a statement like that. He's trying to be cool. He's trying to fit in with Charlemagne and the crowd. Yeah, he was, he was trying to make a joke and it didn't land. And it, Yeah, and he's so out of touch with, you know, <laughs> that that was in, like, don't go there. And he's always yeah. been a gaffe machine. That's why he never won previously. You know, that's why he lost against, when, when in the Democratic pro- primary when Obama ran for the same reasons because he's a gaff machine <laughs> like that's just who he is yeah. but big picture got to get him in there and make him make him accountable so there's definitely a lot of steps that we need to take i'm gonna tell you from my perspective i'm proud of you i'm proud of your generation i'm proud of i'm hoping that you know just from talking to you i'm hoping there's a thousand more of you out there on that front lines okay. that's listening that's doing you know, educated, yeah, smart, and has yeah. a plan. And guys like you got to take the lead because you clearly have a full 360 view of what's necessary. You know, you. Yeah. But what do you think y'all need? In addition to what you've seen, what do you think y'all need? Need in terms of what, like support? Whatever. Either support, either, you know, knowledge, financing. Like, you know, what do you think is next? What would it help to take it to the next level to really achieve the goal? Cause like you said, we, we're talking about voter registration and all that that comes with it. You, you mentioned um, police reform which is, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with that. And all these things are going to take organization and and other things. Like, I'm just curious what you think the next step is. What do you want to see improve out there at at these events that you think will push along the agenda to ultimately get where we want to be? I think uh, financing is very important. We know that in America, money talks. And so as the culture, do we ben- they benefit from black culture, the music, the entertainment, the protests in Hollywood. Not a lot of artists are speaking out that benefit from us and overall. So them getting behind the movement and, and helping to finance some things, finance some voter registration drives, finance us being out here and able to do this and just more support, I think. Uh, people being more vocal, because right now we're very vocal, but it needs to be everywhere, I think. And we're seeing that. I just have to say that I like the fact that BLM, Black Lives Matter, is no central figurehead, because we've seen what happens previously with that. Right. We see what they did to Malcolm, what they did to Martin, what they did to Stokely Carmichael. So we see that when there's someone particular leading it, we see what happens. And we even see that with some of the Ferguson protesters whose faces were broadcast. A lot of them have since passed away to untimely demises. And although it's uncharacteristic, it's, it's a very nice step forward because there's no one to pinpoint. It's sort of spread out and grassroots and I very much like that. But yeah, I just think overall support and finance because we see that money talks in America and we need to be able to keep pushing this message even when it starts to falter in the minds of some still need to be able to push it to the forefront and that's how you get into these congressional offices with these politicians and push the reform 
just so you know, you always got a platform here, man. We definitely will always put your words out there. Do us a favor and push an agenda, man. Push, Go out there and, and try to organize these people on an actual plan. You know, not just winging it. Like, it's a little bit of winging yeah. going on right now. Let's, you know, find out the smart ones in the room with you and push a plan. Like you said, I totally agree with you. I hadn't even thought about that. But the non-centralization of a leadership is very great because, you, like you said, you know what happens. You know exactly. what they do. The counter-intel programs kick in, all the madness. And so there's no clear target. And I don't want you guys to turn around and become one. But you can also, you know, organize a coalition of hundreds of thousands under exactly. one agenda, one type of agenda with many, you know, layers under it that'll get where it'll be. And we definitely going to support you. And as it gets more organized, I'm definitely down to contribute. And we will give you all the airtime you need, man. So you need to talk about something. You want to get a word out or you want to get the truth out because lies are being told, man. You got this platform to come on anytime. And we will, because this podcast was created to be for the people, by the people, and we are the people. And right now, you are a member of the people who are the most important right now. And so, y'all, you got a voice here anytime. And if you want to bring people to it that you want to, you know, have speak also, let me know. We'll make it happen and we'll get it out. All right. Thanks so much. I do appreciate the opportunity to speak in the platform. You got it, my man. Talk to you soon, bro. All right. You have a good one. All right. You too. What's up with it, man? It's Mac Ball, and you're tuned in to the Tap In With Ali podcast, where there's no BS and we ain't PC.